PristineAuction.com is the most trusted memorabilia auction site with an A-plus BBB rating. Auctions on PristineAuction.com start at just $1, and each day there are over 1,000 autographed items available. So you win signed, authentic signatures at affordable prices. There's comic books, trading cards, action figures, great items to add to your collections. Before the show, I was looking at some of the items that are available, including a signed poster by Mark Hamill, Carrie Fisher, Harrison Ford, David Prowse, and Peter Mayhew from the Star Wars trilogy. That's incredible. Uh, Rocky's boxing shorts from Rocky IV. There's a lot of comic book art, too. Todd McFarlane signed guitar. Leonard Nimoy, William Shatner signed a Star Trek issue. Every item on pristineauction.com comes with a certificate of authenticity from the industry's most reputable authenticators. Upgrade your collection of signed memorabilia today and get $10 off your first item when you use the code JUSTICE. Again, that's pristineauction.com. Use code JUSTICE and get $10 off your first item one. Gathered together from the cosmic reaches of the universe, here in this great hall of justice. Superheroes have to be around other superheroes. You know what I mean? That's the Hall of Justice is more about them just commiserating about their powers and less about them like actually fighting crime. Everett is the best there is at what he does, Bob. And what he does is the Hall of Justice podcast. Go, go, go with a smile. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Hall of Justice. This is episode 294. This is the second of our two consecutive Marvel Cinematic Universe podcasts. Before that, we had uh, John Semper who is the uh, incredible creator of the Spider-Man animated series and also the writer of the new Green Lantern animated movie. And uh, we did two consecutive episodes with John. Man, that dude can talk and tell some amazing stories. Uh, Last week, we reviewed Thor, Love and Thunder. And you guys had some nice feedback uh, on the iTunes page, on Facebook, on Twitter. Uh, I saw some interesting things. We'll talk about Thor a little more later on in the show. But today... We are going to talk about, and this is the thing with Marvel. They did this twice. Uh, they, they end shows right when they release movies. So I have to make a choice. And I chose the movie first. So we uh, patiently waited for the end of Ms. Marvel, the seventh MCU Marvel Studios released television show. It doesn't include Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which is in continuity. Uh, Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, Iron Fist, Defenders. Those all are also there, but this is the seventh Marvel Studios film, uh, television series, uh, not a film, uh, to go along with the plethora of movies. Now, we did something really unique uh, for this. 
for this review, we have gone and found a new friend. Uh, you are going to love this gentleman. Uh, he has a very unique background, but he's got some some chops here. He's got some superhero comic book chops. He's a writer at io9. He has not one but two superhero related podcasts, and he is also Muslim. And considering who Kamala Khan is, I thought that was the direction we should go with this. We talked to somebody from China when we did our review of Shang-Chi. We talked to an African-American when we reviewed Black Panther. Of course, we're going to go this direction for Ms. Marvel. And we welcome my new friend, Swara Sali, to the podcast. Dude, thank you so much. Welcome. Welcome to our little club here. Seth, I am so honored to be on here. Thank you so much for inviting me. I am a huge Miss Marvel fan, love the podcast, and I'm just so excited, man. And for the audience, uh, if you hear some rain in the background, uh, apologies for that. Hopefully it's not too much, but whatever. I'm just excited. Let's get the conversation going. Well, let, let's start it in, the, in this way. And the reason I referenced uh, your background is because that was what I was looking for. I wanted to see somebody who had the, the viewpoint of this series the same way uh, Brian Tong had for Shang-Chi and Victor Dandridge had for Black Panther. And I asked a, a question in a specific question to both those gentlemen. And I'll ask the same question because it's something I simply can't do without you. And that is, as much as I might love Miss Marvel, as someone who has the same descent and the same familial history as the main character, how does that make you feel? Well, I first off just want to make sure, just want to be completely clear. While I am also from a Muslim family, uh, Kamala Khan is Pakistani, whereas my family is Kurdish from Iraq and thus West Asian okay. instead of South Asian. Having said that, we are both part of like the Indo-Iranian uh, ethno groups that have similar languages, similar cultural traditions. And since I picked up Miss Marvel, the Miss Marvel comics, and I've read every single issue of hers, Love with G. Willow Wilson and Sana Amanat, and they're amazing artists did through that. I was able to see myself finally in superhero media through Kamala Khan. My other example, shining example, is Zari and Behrad Tarazi of Legends of Tomorrow, RIP to that amazing Hello. show yeah. and those amazing yeah, yeah, characters. Yeah. Um, but no, with to have like a mainline Muslim superhero who I share so much in common culturally with was amazing. I've always been a Spider-Man guy my entire life. And they say that Kamala Khan is this generation's uh, Spider-Man. And I couldn't agree more. She is just an absolute gem of a character. And, you know, like, I, I love like the themes of her stories, the way it addresses, you know, what she and her community, both her Muslim community and Jersey City go through is so well done. It's she's a ground level superhero. She's about fighting for the people in her community. And there's such amazing power in her stories. And I would just encourage everyone listening, if you haven't picked up Miss Marvel yet, you got to, you got to read those comics, got to read everything she's in because she's, she's amazing. She is a Marvel. What, what, what's the timeline for uh, the comic book relief release? Because sure. um, what, what fascinates me is the boldness that Marvel took when there was such anti-Muslim sentiment 
in the 2000s after 9-11. Um, it was something that was very palpable. It was something that was very obvious. Uh, take me from 2001 till the comic book got released, because to me, that's a statement about Marvel as much as the TV show is. Yeah, for sure. And it's interesting when you look at that period of Marvel, because Marvel at least on the comic book side, has always been very conscious about world events, about real life issues and trying to incorporate in as many different ways as they can, whether through metaphor, like with the X-Men or through directly addressing Islamophobia, racism, like with characters with like Miss Marvel. In fact, they had another Muslim hero come in about, I think about a decade before Kamala, something in like 2007, 2008. Uh, this character on the X-Men, her name is Soraya Qadir, uh, an Afghan who, who wears a niqab and is Muslim. And unfortunately, not really the representation we were looking for because her creators were people outside of the community. It was and very stereotypical. It was very it was stereotypical, like, yeah. very racist, frankly, Orientalist. And, yeah. um, you know, like her power was to turn into sand and her like uh, name was dust. Just Which terrible, is ironic because the, the whole idea of the X-Men was anti-racism. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's like, the, here's the thing. I think they were trying to do something at the time, but there was like, there was still like so much ingrained Orientalism and presumptions about the region. And they said yeah. she spoke Arabic when they don't really speak Arabic in Afghanistan. It was just so, it was a mess, unfortunately. I hope like Surya Qadr can be like sort of revamped by Muslim and Afghan creators, but no Marvel. And I, I have to give props here really to Sana Amanat, the editor at Marvel Comics, at one of the editors at Marvel Comics at the time who really did push for Kamala Khan. And around this time, around 2014, when her first comic debuted, Marvel was very conscious about like, okay, we want to get more diverse. We want to be more inclusive. We're going to have Sam Wilson be Captain America. We're going to have the mighty Thor of Jane Foster. We're going to have Miles Morales, Spider-Man in now in the main 616 universe. And why don't we have like a amazing South Asian Muslim superhero in Kamala Khan taking on the moniker of Miss Marvel after Captain Marvel, Carol Danvers had given up that title of Miss Marvel. And right, that's how Rogue gets her all her powers. In where the, Rogue got all her yeah, powers. Yeah, from, exactly. From the original, where, from, in the, from Captain Marvel, right. Exactly. Yeah. But then Captain Marvel got her powers back and still took on the role of Captain Marvel, but the role of Miss Marvel was still there. And so Sana Amanat with uh, the creative team of G. Willow Wilson writing, they co-created this amazing character. They were bold about it. And again, some of the best comics you'll ever read. Oh, this is, this is uh, fascinating. I'm really glad that you're, you're describing this uh, to our audience. Um, when the Captain Marvel movie came out, did you think that Kamala Khan was coming? Because if you're, if, if I'm correct in my timeline, Disney plus wasn't a thing uh, when the Captain Marvel movie came out, uh, the Netflix shows yeah. were a thing, you know, Jessica Jones, my, that's my superhero, uh, Jessica Jones and, uh, and, and daredevil and, and, and the like, they were in existence, you know, in, in that, in that world. But it wasn't so much. Um, it, it Captain Marvel, you know, Disney Plus didn't exist when Captain Marvel first came out. So my question to you is, when you saw Captain Marvel, did you say, well, since this is a massive hit, 
Kamala Khan has to work her way into the storyline. Not in a TV so show I, per se, but you know, maybe in the sequel she'd show up or, or something. Right. So I never really thought that exactly because of Captain Marvel, because the thing is with Kamala, with her as Miss Marvel, what's so amazing and important about her and is what her story is about, both in the comics and the TV series, although I personally prefer how they address it in the comics, but we'll get to that. She's all about standing apart from Captain Marvel. She realizes, oh, you know, even though I really love this hero, I Wait, she's not obsessed with Captain Marvel the way they she portrayed is. her no, in the cartoon. No, no, no. In the comics, she is. She absolutely okay. is. But the thing is, like, they give her an arc of growing out of that. So Kamala, yeah. So Kamala Khan is a hero that stands on her own, stepping into this new role of Miss Marvel. She has occasional team-ups with Carol, and there's a bit of a mentor-mentee relationship. But the key thing is, is that Miss Marvel always stands out on her own without being Captain Marvel's sidekick or having to be well, occasionally, yeah, they partner up, but like she's never really under Carol's tutelage. So there, there's not exactly, it's not exactly this, it's sort of confusing because it's not exactly a Marvel family, even though it seems like that's the direction they're going with in the films for now with the Marvels, the sequel to Captain Marvel coming out. But back to the original question, I didn't think that necessarily, but I wanted it. I knew that like, oh, there has to be this, Pakistani Muslim fangirl out there for Captain Marvel. You know, she's going to be, especially after Infinity War and Endgame, she's going to be in this universe. And I was like really, really hoping for it. And when they announced like that they were making the show and that the amazing Iman Vellani was cast as uh, Miss Marvel, I was so excited. Yeah, she is a, she is a ton of energy, man. She is hysterical. Her her Instagrams, her TikToks are funny. Uh, I mean, she is so excited and it's palpable. I mean, you can feel it. So sorry, so sorry to like correct you on that, but I should note that Iman Vellani has actually no public social media. Uh, she and her team. But what about did all the recent- videos that she's done? On, I'm not saying it's her personal, but right. how have I seen her talking to phones and such? Probably that's, on the Marvel really Studios her, right? and Miss Mark. Yeah, that's really her. Okay. Probably her on the Miss Marvel and Marvel Studios uh, okay. pages, but not her. All right. Page. Just letting just you know. Wanted, sorry, okay. sorry. Just had to that, correct that's that. Fine. <laughs> that. That's totally fine. Well, she's probably really smart. Whoever uh, advised her to stay away from social media. Um, I wish somebody had advised me that way uh, back when it first started. Um, but when you see her, you know, at red, the red carpets and there's been interviews that she's done that have been clipped and I see them on TikTok all the time. And, uh, you know, all, all this stuff, um, her enthusiasm is infectious. And if she's lying, she's an amazing liar, but she really seems like she is a big Marvel fan and being of a Muslim descent, she she connected to Kamala Khan just as you did. Um, and she had she, she just happens to have the look of that, you know, and, and the acting chops. Correct. Like, like is she yeah. is this a dream for her the way it seems like it is? Oh, absolutely. I actually had the immense privilege of interviewing her for the Nerds of Color. So y'all can check that out on YouTube. And Wait, that, that's, a, is- that's a podcast you do, right? Well, I Nerds of Color, we are a website and there's okay. one of my pockets in the Nerds of Color network. And oh, this is for Nerds of Color YouTube's page. Um, so yeah, I got to interview her, her 
fandom is absolutely infectious. She loves these characters. She first she's been like a Marvel fangirl I think all her life since she picked up like an iron well she saw Iron Man and then picked up the comics and she uh found Miss Marvel through reading Champions and well she was reading Ironheart and then she read Champions then that letter to Miss Marvel she was like what there's a character that looks just (laughs) like me with the same background as me both Pakistani Muslim and she fell in love with the character read all her stuff and she is Uh, Yeah, I'm just so incredibly happy for her because she is so in love with this universe and she's like, she could be a creative in this universe if she wanted to be. She has great ideas and I just am so happy for her and can't wait to see what else she does. You know, I saw that interview you did with him on on their website. It's called Nerds of Color. And since you gave me permission before we started recording, here's a little snippet of Suara's conversation with Iman Vellani, Ms. Marvel herself. How do you think your portrayal of Kamala at this huge on-screen level will let Pakistanis, Muslim, and South Asian people feel seen in a way they haven't before? I think it's honestly going to inspire a lot of people to kind of tell their stories because you know this is just the start of, of muslim representation and the fact that you know it's it's starting in marvel a company that's so incredibly accessible and then these movies play all over the world is just amazing you know and it really sets the bar high and, and sets the example for for future filmmakers and artists and creatives to kind of you know tell their stories because it's it's important work yeah, absolutely. Um, so as I understand it, you've read uh, the Miss Marvel comics, and I'm curious about what for you was the most important thing about Kamala's journey, and how do you feel like you're bringing that to the show? Yeah, well, it was really about identity and and reconnecting with your with your past and, and your culture, and Kamala is so many different things, and throughout the course of the show, we really want to, you know, watch her subvert all these labels and expectations that are being thrown at her. You know, she's not just Muslim. She's not just Pakistani. She's this amalgamation of a hundred different things that, that make her, her. And that's really what we wanted to achieve with the show and, and keeping those core themes and, and the tone from the comics alive, because I fell in love with those comics. And if we did not, you know, do what the comics did. And then if we did not have the same effect on people that the comics did on me, I would be really disappointed, but, um, you know, Sana Amanath, who co-created the character, was a producer on our show, and, and me being absolutely obsessed with her and her work and, and the comics, I, I think it was a really great collaboration, and we just brought everything that we needed to. Wow, that, that's, that's incredible. That, that's <laughs> something to behold. Um, what a great interview. Uh, it's, it's a great thing. That's just a, a, a clip of it, uh, but you can see the whole thing on nerdsofcolor.com and the corresponding YouTube page. PristineAuction.com is the most trusted memorabilia auction site with an A-plus BBB rating. Auctions on PristineAuction.com start at just $1, and each day there are over 1,000 autographed items available. So you win signed, authentic signatures at affordable prices. There's comic books, trading cards, action figures, great items to add to your collections. Before the show, I was looking at some of the items that are available, including a signed poster by Mark Hamill, Carrie Fisher, Harrison Ford, David Prowse, and Peter Mayhew from the Star Wars trilogy. That's incredible. Uh, Rocky's boxing shorts from Rocky Four. 
There's a lot of comic book art, too. Todd McFarlane signed guitar. Leonard Nimoy, William Shatner signed a Star Trek issue. Every item on pristineauction.com comes with a certificate of authenticity from the industry's most reputable authenticators. Upgrade your collection of signed memorabilia today and get $10 off your first item when you use the code JUSTICE. Again, that's pristineauction.com. Use code JUSTICE and get $10 off your first item one. So the show's coming out and you know who Kamala Khan is. You see the announcement. Kevin Feige somewhere along the line says there's going to be a Ms. Marvel show. In your mind, does this have to be perfect? Does it have to be great? Does it have to be doubly, I want to use an analogy. Um, I want to use a sports analogy to properly ask this. When there are so many uh, amazing women in broadcasting, when a woman tries to be on sports radio and, and she makes the same mistakes, like for example, if I say the score backwards, if I say the, uh, the, the, the Reds beat the, 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 the Phillies four to six, and they go, oh, you dummy, you said the score backwards. But if a girl does it, it's like she has to be doubly perfect, you know? The double does. standard, yeah. So it's, it's, a, it's a total double standard. And I've done actual episodes of my other podcast, Sports with Friends, about that. My question to you is, so this time where they announce Ms. Marvel, are the expectations for it because it is so bold? Is it almost like that double standard exists for this show, unlike Loki or Hawkeye? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, for us who are people of color or of Muslim background, we have this thing, you know, for marginalized communities, we have this thing called the rep sweats where something has to be so incredibly good. It cannot fail. It has to be able to pave the way for what else comes after it. Absolutely. That pressure was on the show, but I will say, I think also what was on the show was to tell a story with like the core character beats and themes that the Miss Marvel comics really had for a whole new generation of comic readers, because so many of us relate to this character so deeply, even if they weren't of her marginalized backgrounds, just she's an amazing character who stands with Spider-Man, Captain America, a Thor, uh, Iron Man, Captain Marvel, and she deserves a story that like has the full integrity of what her comics are all about. But yeah, absolutely. As a marginalized person, you got to worry about it. You got to hope that it's good. And it sucks because guess what? We should be able to have mediocre content too, but we should have a plethora of it because no one show is going to represent all of us. There are 2 billion Muslims. There are millions and millions of Pakistanis and South Asian people and, you know, Swana people of which I'm a background. That's basically another name for me. And that's something we're trying to introduce more in the lexicon. Um, It's um, yeah, there's just, we just need more just need more of our various backgrounds because we are part of this world as well. You know, no, it's, it, it, it's unfortunate that it exists, but it exists. I mean, there, there's no secret about it. We mentioned Iman Vellani and we heard from her, um, the cast, the casting, um, what was your thought on it? Um, had you seen 
any of uh, the the actors the, the 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 muslim actors before yasmin fletcher uh zenobia sharaf who plays the mom and i'll tell you about what i what i thought <laughs> that she stole the show um but that was just personal she reminded me of my my grandmother and it was crazy um but what'd you what'd you make of the casting so i'll be honest and say that while the casting of iman Vellani was fantastic pitch perfect she absolutely inhabits the role i oh and another fantastic casting was uh, of her brother, Amir, with Sagar Sheikh, absolutely amazing. And Trevina Springer as Taisha, like those three are my favorite castings. Also, L- Laurel Madsen, Marsden as uh, Zoe was pretty great for, you know, albeit the limited material she had. Mm-hmm. I will say, I oh, and also um, for Sheikh Abdullah, Laith Nakli, a Syrian actor, amazing job. I will say, I wish the casting for some of the other supporting cast was better with all due respect to these great actors who did amazing in the show. I understand, you know, this is Hollywood, so it's not going to be like a hundred percent. And I am grateful for what they did get right and how they were able to perform. It just, um, it kind of, it, you know, again, respect to Zenobia and well, they're trying Mohan. to suspend, they're trying to suspend belief anyway. You know what I mean? Like, they're, the the backgrounds of these folks isn't the thing, you know what I mean? They no, but it, but it does still matter, you know, okay. to a large degree, especially for people from these specific communities like Zenobia and Mohan Kapoor. Uh, they're both Indian. Neither of them are Pakistani, and I know that for a fact that Zenobia is not Muslim, and I don't think that Mohan is either. And the thing with Yasmin playing Nakia, and I think she played Nakia really great. They all played them really great. The thing is, Nakia is a Turkish American Muslim hijabi. And the thing with Yasmin, again, all due respect to her, and she played really great. And the thing is, for us Swana people, you know, these roles are so limited, so I understand it. But also, she comes from a non-Muslim family, and... I, and, and she's that bo- not Turkish, she's Lebanese. You're entitled to your opinion. That bothered you. I, I get yeah, it. it did bother me. Yeah, yeah. It's just like, I just wish like these My whole life, I would never have accurately. known that. I would never have known that. And I would never, I, I've never wondered, uh, you know, religion to me is, is, it doesn't play a massive role in my life. So it's not even something I even wondered. It's no, not to I put totally it down. I, I, yeah. I, that's why I'm saying, yeah, yeah. But, but that's why, but that's why it's not my perspective. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's why, I, I want your perspective on this because I want to think things that I didn't uh, prior, you know, I, we, we, we could talk about the, the, you know, how she had glowy hands and stuff like that. That's not a fun podcast. <laughs> oh, we will talk about that. We yeah, will. But that's talk boring. About that. If we just talk about that, like I want to you know <laughs> get to the nitty of the gritty. I, I thought um, uh, Zenobia Shroff uh, played uh, Kamala's mother and her whole dialect. My, so my father is Cuban. My father was uh, born in Havana, Cuba. Uh, and uh, for those of you who follow me on social media, I, I recently lost him. And my paternal uh, grandmother, I appreciate it. Um, my paternal grandmother, uh, Seema, um, I swear to God, the dialect was like the same. Like, you know, she's she's Cuban, so it's not the same background. Uh, but it was the, the like the way she would criticize her and uh, you're not going out, you're not going to the party like, like that, that conversation, I, I swear I get chills 
the way she played. You know it. what you call that? You call that this is finding the universality within the specific. That's what we need right. more of. And you know, talking about besides like the casting, the thing is, this series had amazing South Asian, Muslim, and Swana people behind the scenes, like directing and writing oh, sure. and yeah, yeah. doing like getting these cultural details right. And at least most of them by and large. And it just like resonates so much for those of us of those backgrounds. And you get to see the joy of it. You get to see the, the for example, the wedding, um, the congregations in the masjid, the Eid party. And again, like Kamala's interactions with her loving parents, these immigrant parents whom anyone of an immigrant background could relate to, or honestly, anyone who's not even an immigrant, just in general, it just, this is what is so amazing about Kamala Khan and her stories that they are universally relatable by being so specific. The head writer is Bisha K. Ali. I hope I'm pronouncing these names right. Um, yeah, you got it right. You know, it's very funny. Back uh, in 2016, right when I started this podcast, uh, I was working the Olympics uh, for Westwood One. And we had the like scary, little, like scary your pants off uh, meeting at Westwood One when we were going over Olympics and we were saying how like sometimes when you mispronounce a name, you're insulting their culture. <laughs> and I was like, wow. And like we were told to check pronunciations on every name mentioned, uh, even like obvious ones like Morgan. Like you had to make sure that it, it, it was what it was. And so uh, names are very important. Uh, the directors were Adil LRB and Bilal Falah. And I, I again, so, I hope so. It's, uh, it's, it's Adil El Arbi and Bilal Falah. Yeah, let's just have you say the names. Let's just do that. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and they were the directors. Now, you know, there it's it's they were it, they were the head directors it, because then you also had Charmin Obey Chinoy and Mira Menon as the other two directors and, in the series. And do you feel the portrayal is authentic? Oh, absolutely. I think that so they, you, you referenced so the wedding. The they go right. to Pakistan. Like it, it, it yeah. It, I know they didn't really go to Pakistan. I, I understand that. Yeah, they but, had to film in Thailand, unfortunately. Right, <laughs> but right. no, like from from like a Pakistani and Indian and South Asian friends I heard from, like they love the portrayal of Karachi. It's a beautiful, vibrant city full of color. We have so many cities like that in the Middle East, and it's like just. I mean, you know, like this is South Asia, and then like. I'm from the Middle East, but like, you know, there are some cultural similarities here and there. And while still being distinct, <laughs> want to make that very clear. And <laughs> it's, it's just like, yeah, you feel it. You feel like, again, the universal awe and joy of it. You know, I relate actually to Moon Knight, another like Disney Plus series, and their amazing portrayal of Cairo and, Egypt, and yeah. showing it. As, yeah, in Egypt. Whereas, you know, in these regions, in the Swanasa, that's Southwest Asian, North African and South Asian regions, we often see it through the lens of the yellow filter of orientalizing these regions of saying they're exotic or dangerous. But no, Brown people are just living yeah. their lives in these really beautifully made cities and there's no yellow filter. You just get to see the vibrancy of these cities. And I loved in episodes four and five, seeing that with Charmino Bechenoy's amazing direction. I, the, the whole thing is it, it, it's quite, uh, quite a to do. Um, she, all right, let's get into the story. Um, she's a major fan of the Avengers, right? 
She's a, she's got posters on the walls and she's particularly a fan of Captain Marvel. That's from the comics, right? Like that's that's from the comics, because what I remember is there was an ultimate Spider-Man cartoon and it was an Avengers cartoon. And in the Avengers cartoon, Ms. Marvel exists and she's obsessed with Captain Marvel. Is that true? That is true. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, definitely. So that 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 is consistent. What I wondered is after episode one, they really don't reference that anymore. Like they they kind of put that yeah. to bed. And mm-hmm. this is one of the things about the story. I love the story in which she gets this. It's called a bangle, and. She she you know, she finds it. It's part of her costume that she's going to make up. And all of a sudden she finds she has this 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 energy and and all this stuff happens. But by episode three, she's not an Avengers fan anymore. She's just like she's thrust into this whole new world of clandestines. And I was just like, I thought I wanted to go back to her place in the Marvel universe. Like I wanted to, I, I don't need Carol Danvers showing up. I know that happens at the very, very end. What I'm interested in is tell me more about what I can relate to her because what you did exactly. was you used it as an introduction and then you tossed it and you're just supposed to assume this is a problem that DC has a lot with Superman is they just assume that because that person has the hero label, you're supposed to love them. And what happens to her in her journey is you're so taken away from what I was most interested in that I almost was like, okay, and it's not to put down the story. It's I wish they could have told it in less time or make the series longer so I have more time of her doing things that are Avenger like, or at least talking about. That's another thing I I do on the podcast. I don't like spending other people's money. So I'm not hiring a bunch of cameos here, but talk about how she loved Iron Man. Like talk about that and say something about that. Reference them because episodes three, four, and five, they do not in the slightest. You see, and the thing is you're talking about from the perspective of her being a fangirl and learning about what it is that she really wants. You're not talking about in terms of this needs to be connected to the MCU writ large, because the ironic thing with this particular storyline about the bangle, about the clandestines, it's about setting up things to happen later in the MCU. For the record, I will say, you know, if you watch the show, none of these people are Jin. None of these people are from another dimension. This is all relating back to the Kree, something happening in the Marvel, something in the wider Marvel universe. But still going through it, Seth, if you've read the reviews, if you see people's reactions, this was like the lowest rated thing for people across the board. They did not jive with the clandestines who, unfortunately, and respect to the actors, especially especially Nimra Bucha playing um, Najma, I think these are some of the weakest villains in the entire MCU. And that's really saying something. I just really couldn't understand what was going on and I was so confused and I just like and these are not like by the way the clandestine in the comics are complete are very very different almost completely different and Kamala has never encountered them she's never encountered Jen they just shoved it in here because they thought it was a concept they could use which I understand but 
you will, and the thing is, Bisha K. See, that doesn't bother said, me. But but last year right. they were it was it was the Eternals, and I was supposed to understand who those those guys <laughs> were. And I, 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 it, it's almost like I need no, to but, know but, that. But, but but I will also say Bisha K. Ali, she gave an interview where she said, we had so much more about the clandestines and all of this, but we didn't have the time to tell the show. Marvel, give your creators time to tell their stories. It The six episode format, by and large, does not work. They need more episodes. I, I think I hate the six part fragmented movies. We uh, Like that concept we've been getting. I just want more time for them to be able to tell their stories. I just thought the all the people in, you know, she doesn't have a minute with these powers before she is being chased. And, you know, she's and then she's grounded after the incident where she breaks the kid's arm or leg was his leg. Um, No, she saved him, but he still accidentally broke his leg. Right. Right. But 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 he broke his leg. And and as that's and then she's grounded. And then in a minute she's off to Pakistan. And I was like, what? And, and she kind of like glosses over at the mom's like, you know, you're still in trouble, but you know, this is an opportunity. We can go see your grandmother. So we're going out of nowhere. And it just seemed very forced. It was plot dictating character, which is the honestly like the markings of like a story that's not as good as it could be. And it sucks because like there were like you said, like everyone has said, the best part about the show has been the family, it's been the home life, has been her friends, just her daily life and learning more about her and how that's what the comics did so well. The thing is, the best things about the show are those that stand truest to the comics that were written. And although I will say I love what they did in episode five, you know, showing the portrayal of partition, but that was also like inspired by something started in the comics and it was extrapolated from that. And I just wish that this show, we were talking about like, you know, things being like adaptations and taking the best aspects from the comics. I really do wish it took more from the comics. I understand them wanting to tell like a potential new story with Kamala and a lot, some of that they did really well, but I also wish, man, if you had taken a bit more inspiration from the source material, we could have had something that really reached the heights it could have. You, you mentioned something about the six episode format and I'm looking at the, the past series, you know, that, that, that have existed in the MCU, these, these smaller series, you know, so not the Netflix ones, the, the Netflix ones, as a matter of fact, uh, I feel like should have been sh- uh, shorter, <laughs> you know, Luke Cage, they could have told that story in six episodes. And they wound up telling it in like 12. Um, but Falcon and the Winter Soldier is six. Loki is six. Hawkeye is six. Moon Knight is six. And Ms. Marvel. WandaVision and uh, What If are both nine. And what you're saying is if you had three. So you're not saying shorten the backstory. You're saying expand the whole thing. Yeah, absolutely. Because there are really good ideas there, even with the clandestines. It's just like the head writer Bisha herself said, like she wishes she had more time to like plot out this story across more episodes. And I really feel for the creators there. Honestly, I think like my ultimate problems with this series are those that are corporately mandated because Marvel Studios, Disney, these are corporations, unfortunately, that the creators still need to work under within their wider structure and what they have planned for the future. 
That's interesting to hear you say that. Uh, it, it, it's, you know, to me, the biggest thing about it is, is, you know, I don't have a problem with her backstory. I just thought it was too much of her backstory. You know, I don't mind totally that Shang-Chi has uh, a friend along for the ride. She doesn't need to be firing arrows in the final battle. You know what I mean? It, it just doesn't, it has to fit. And, you know, sh- give me more of her at school. Give her more of trying to understand. Give her, give me more of the practice. Um, you know, when she's on the rooftop, just practicing and just figure it like that is infectious. And, you know, you referenced the, the ratings, right? And I, I, I didn't want to make this a big deal about this. And I wonder what the numbers for this podcast are going to be. I'm curious. You know, I don't obsess about the um, I don't look at the numbers every day. You know what I mean? I, it's not a thing. I don't know how many people listen to uh, Dr. Strange versus Thor. Like, I, I, I don't know. You know, I think John Semper was stinking amazing. If, they, if people didn't listen to that, I don't know what the hell's wrong with them. Um, but with this show, is it because they went so far out there, kind of like Moon Knight, to be honest with you, is that when, when Moon Knight goes to Egypt, I, they've lost me. Like, I, I had to watch Moon Knight twice. And I didn't have time, you know, because there's so many good things out right now. Uh, I didn't have time to watch Miss Marvel twice. You know what I mean? And I thought about it for this podcast, and I was just like, you know, I, I, I was more interested in the cultural stuff anyway. So it wasn't like we were going to say, well, how do they get out of that jam in episode five? The the allies become villains. The villains become start out as friends. She doesn't know who to trust. I I see all of that. I just felt like by the time they were flashing back and she's seeing her grand great grandmother at, um, uh, you know, as a young person in 1942, you've taken me away from you're so far away from what I was so attracted to that I had only seen for a minute with Iman Vellani. Like, that's not her best work. Her best work is episodes one and six. In three, four, and five, she is swept into this massive thing, and she's, like, barely about, you know, just treading water. I actually disagree there. I think that in these episodes three, four, and five, we saw the full extent of Iman's range. We got to see her be more melancholy and thoughtful, whereas we see her like bright and bubbly in episodes one and six when full of energy, but she has the energy throughout. And I think especially in episodes four and five, we got to see like, I mean, I will, I will say like, I totally get it about the frustration in episode five, getting so far away from like what we loved about uh, what she was going through in episode one and two. But the thing is that first half of episode five was so beautifully done. The portrayal of this amazing love story between Hassan and Aisha and there was no mention of clan. I mean, even though you knew they were in the background, but still no mention of the word clandestine or like inner dimension or anything like that. It was just a beautifully made love story against the backdrop of the partition era. And Kamala's journey through this series, I will say, and I have like a few critiques of it overall, but still like what it is fundamentally about is realizing the importance of family, of realizing the importance of where she comes from and what her family had gone through during the partition era and ultimately being a part of like solving that like time loop that saves her 
grandmother Sana, like that scene, like I was so touched by that. And so were so many other people watching. I'm sure you were too. It's, but it's still like frustrating because you don't get the beat, same beats of the character journey that she gets in the comics of self-identity in this grand scheme of the society that she's in, of being a brown Muslim girl who is in a world where that would rather see her be invisible, but step up to being a hero of those amazing beats of gaining that confidence in herself, in her body, which is literally represented by her polymorphic powers in the comics, changing and embiggening her physical body to, you know, like fully embrace it and love being herself and find the confidence to be a hero. Whereas with the show, they decided to make it about this family heirloom that affects her genetics and allows her to have these, I'll just say green lantern-esque powers. That's what um, it is, right? That's that, that that's what, it, that's is, what yeah. it is. It's it's totally green lantern. Got it. Yeah. When I personally think the story in Miss Marvel No Normal was right there and could have been like really amazing to see adapted and with, with those core beats of it and they did still have some of the same beats of like self-discovery of gaining confidence of realizing she doesn't have to be like Captain Marvel that she needs to embrace herself and her family and history like I will say like making the symbol the first letter of her name in Arabic and making it her mom giving her the suit and her dad giving her the name of Miss Marvel was all amazing love that I love those changes from the comics but still, I'm missing some of the self-beats of self-discovery in the face of society that she lives in. Whereas you're right, we go on this world-ranging adventure. She does go to Pakistan in the comics, but it's like way later in the comics after she's already become Miss right. Marvel. And you can just tell that in the show, they compress so, so much. And that's really frustrating. Well, let me ask you this um, about the change. Um, you know, the, the Marvel's done this before. Um, you know, the most famous one is when uh, Sam Raimi didn't want to have to explain why Peter Parker would be able to make web shooters. So he just made the webs come out of his hands. You know what I mean? And he, and he, and he just he just did it. Um, you know, I always thought the Iron Man uh, origin was tweaked in the right way uh, to make it easier to explain and make it more relatable you know, contemporary, um, yeah, right. You just you just change who the bad guy is, and and all of a sudden now, you know, it, it's something that you can understand in the military, and you know, all all, all this stuff. Um, do you think that it was always gonna? It, it would never have been the plan that Ms. Marvel was never gonna have stretchy powers because of who they're going to be introducing into the MCU, namely Mister Fantastic. So I was I actually found out about the power change months before the series came out or before the first trailer came out. And really? I was in utter, I was in utter disbelief about it. I couldn't believe they were doing this because her powers of literally changing her body are so incredibly intrinsic to her character journey. They're a literal metaphor for this brown Muslim girl, teenage girl who's like going through puberty, trying to accept her body, like just 
it's such an amazing metaphor. And the thing is like, G. Will Wilson herself said, I don't want Kamala to have sparkly powers. I want her to have weird, awkward powers that aren't like the other female superheroes she's seen or like Captain Marvel. And it just was such an amazing, bold statement of a story through using that. I understood, and I, and I will give credit to like creators like Sana and Kevin Feige in interviews, they said, I don't think it was necessarily, I mean, maybe some of it was because of Mr. Fantastic, but I actually think they want to, it's more about relating her to what the stories, as they said, the stories are going to be with her in the Marvels and other um, MCU properties. And I will also perhaps controversially say, I don't think we need to rule out the polymorphic powers just yet. I think is that what the uh, the Brie Larson morphing thing is? Oh no no no! That's no no. That's like her switching places with uh, Captain Marvel across the universe, presumably because like you her don't bangle think that's, might that's her. She no no the, no, no the thing doesn't know how to control it. Sees a poster and becomes her. No no no. The thing is like Marvel.com actually confirmed that it was them switching places across the universe. Um. So, but the thing is like. When I look at her powers, when I see like in the finale, I didn't, yeah. I didn't see that. I, I don't mean to cut you off. I didn't see oh, that. Sorry, a no. and B, when she's looking around her room, it looks like she knows where she is. It's, it's no. I think it's meant to be. It was meant to be. You know, Captain Marvel being like, "Where the hell am I?" and sees pictures of herself all over, and she's like, "Oh, oh no!" It's just like, "Where am I?" So it's sort of a bewildering scene. By the way, that scene was actually directed by Nia DaCosta, the director of the Marvel. So interesting huh. tidbit there. We may see it in the movie itself. Um, but Continue. yeah, yeah. But uh, no, when I in the episode six, when I saw her in beginning, you know, like you know, putting the crystal light and beginning all over herself sort of her body armor I, I just like got to think i just like can't help but shake the feeling maybe i'm just a relentless optimist will get the polymorphic powers but i wonder if she'll undergo a journey like she did in the comics in the marvels and there after meeting her idol of captain marvel she'll realize oh no i i respect you but i don't actually want to emulate you i want to be my own hero i don't want to have the sparkly bits or I mean, maybe she will still have the Green Lantern-esque constructs, but maybe she could also <laughs> like embiggen her body because the way Kamala's powers work, they're not actually about changing the mass inside her. It's about borrowing mass. It's it's really convoluted comic booky, but basically the way she's able to embiggen is to borrow mass through time on her own time stream. So she's like manipulating mass around her. So one could make an argument that these constructs we're seeing are her um, changing the mass around her, like the air mass around her. So I don't, I'm not ruling out polymorphic abilities just yet. I think I have fingers crossed and like, we'll still see how her powers develop like in the MCU. So I remain a bit hopeful, but honestly, you know, seeing how the powers were in episode six, I thought they looked really cool compared to how they did in other episodes. Well, and I can't, I can't imagine they just spent, you know, all this time introducing those powers to then when you get to the mainstream movie, start tweaking it. Has there been any talk about a season two? Fair enough. I, I, I mean, has there, have you heard any, you would know this better than I do. Has so, there been any talk about what happens after the Marvels or, you know, only in the sense of if, right. if you want to see this story fleshed out, you know, the origin story is always, you know, is never the best story. 
You know what I mean? Like, like, you know, everyone always agrees winter soldier is better than first Avenger. Right. I think there absolutely should be a season two. I hope that there is. I hope that there's more. No, no, have you, but, but you haven't heard that there is. I haven't heard that there is. Sana Amanat said online in an interview that they were confirmed as a limited series with season one, but that they hope there will be a season two. Iman Vellani really wants a season two. Um, as I understand it, like, um, you know, I, I'm take, borrowing this uh, from uh, something Jake Christie said on the MC University podcast that most season twos of these shows are very contingent on whether the actor lead actor themselves wants to do it. And that can often be like, you know, these big stars like Tom Hiddleston yeah, or that's, like, that's Grant Gustin Grant. <laughs> or, yeah, or Grant Gustin who <laughs> won't end the flash um, or Oscar Isaac <laughs> with Moon Knight or um, you know, it's like, but Iman wants to do it. She's like, yes, give me season two, please let me do it. And so like, please do it for her, please do it for the fans. And just like, you know, despite like, again, you know, like we talked about, we have some critiques of the show, but it's overall a really good show with a lot of heart and like wonderful acting and amazing Muslim representation and South Asian and Pakistani representation. So it deserves more seasons. Let's go, let's see where the story goes. It's a, it's a, it's a real pleasant watch. It was, uh, it was real easy. Um, I, I had no issue with it. I thought one of its weaknesses, um, and it's not its its fault, um, but Disney Plus, you released at the same time you released uh, Obi Wan Kenobi. What? What? In the what? <laughs> I mean, yeah. And, and I'll be perfectly honest with you. Uh, it was also the final weeks of the season two of Superman and Lois, and as a cord cutter, they were all coming out at the same time. Wednesday morning was when they were all coming out, and. Uh, it was Star Wars once, maybe Star Wars twice, because it was that good. And then I no, would watch, so I would good. watch I Superman. And, so much. Oh, it was so good. And but uh, Superman and Lois, I thought was really strong. I, I, I've said that uh, a, a lot of time. I I've been critical of these CW shows and I've been critical with the folks from the CW shows on this podcast. Um, the Superman and Lois is great. Uh, it, it, it's just it, it's just great. So what was happening was every it was coming out on a Wednesday and I was watching it on a Thursday or Friday. It wasn't like I was racing to see it. Falcon and the Winter Soldier, I raced to see. Uh, Hawkeye, I raced to see. But I'll say this about Ms. Marvel. It's better than Loki. <laughs> I'm actually better. a big fan of Loki. So choose your words next Loki, wisely, my friend. Loki, I'm just they kidding, spent, I'm just kidding. Well, the only excuse I'll I'll buy for Loki is that COVID impacted production and they had to do a whole episode where they just sit on a train six feet apart and talk. I just. Oh, but I love that. Oh. I love that episode. <laughs> it's okay. We can have different. Uh, <laughs> but, but the, but you know, it like, it fits somewhere in the middle. It's not the best. It's not the worst by any stretch of the imagination. You know, it does have the same challenge as Moon Knight in that the comic book fan like you knew who she was beforehand i had a passing knowledge of her who who she was moon knight i'd seen on a cover before that's it that that, that was that was that was my extent of that i also didn't know who the stinking good guardians of the galaxy were you know what i'm saying so like there's ways to incorporate this and that what i thought 
in Ms. Marvel's case was a little more Marvel. Give me a little more Marvel and it can just be references in dialogue. I'm not asking for Benedict Cumberbatch to make a cameo like he should have in the season finale of WandaVision. The idea of just put me in that world, even when she's in Pakistan and she's figuring it out and just say, I saw this. I, I, this is what, this is what Tony Stark did that one time. Like, give me something to connect those dots because I'll meet you halfway. I I think you've noticed. I I have no issue whatsoever with her backstory or what I, I am not the asshole that they were trying to win over. Like I'm not that guy, but I still meet me halfway. I'll go to your Pakistan. You come to my MCU and you just well, meet me halfway and give me a little more yeah. Marvel and a little less of her backstory. And I'm, I'm thrilled. Well, well, this is the thing. The thing about like the over explanations about her backstory, again, are about tying to the wider MCU. Right. If we had more time of her having that self-discovery in this universe in like, you know, for example, you see in the beginning of the Avengers game, I thought that was really well done with her about like her being in this world and you still incorporate that aspect. The thing is like, I love the Pakistan episodes. I think they're some of the best. And again, like seeing this world, like I love being in this world. I personally think less MCU. I love like MCU shows and films that really stand out on their own, but like you said, they still do it with being cognizant of like where they are in like this place and just have, again, Kamala is a fan girl. Like that is so much a core of her identity. And we didn't really, like the thing is we had that in the first episode and we see some of it in the sixth episode, but we didn't get to unpack that. We didn't get to like delve into like why, you know, for her, again, as they do in the comics, why for her it is so important to be like these heroes and realizing hey no i'm not like them i am my own person but the thing is we get all of that through the family story and her going and getting thrust up on this journey which while i love so much of it i also kind of i do agree with you that i think it took away from like the character a little bit of the character journey we could have had with her And I wish we had some more vocalizations about what her journey of self-discovery really was, because sometimes I will absolutely, and as much as I love episodes four and five, I will admit from episodes three through five, it was was like the plot was like trudging her along. And I think that was unfortunate. And I'm sorry, but a bit of a weakness of the show. No, I think that's a very fair, uh, fair point. I I really do. I, I think that that's, that's a fair criticism. Um, and I wonder if the fact that there is so little Marvel, whether or not that hurt the numbers more than the prejudice. I, I mean, I think they both like, you know, to degrees, there were absolutely like, you know, racist and Islamophobes who were like, oh, I don't want to walk, watch this quote unquote woke stuff. But what I will say is like, no, her being a completely new character. I hate character- that word. I hate that word. It, the way that word has been like used so much, uh, it's meaningless now. Like it's, it's pointless. just, it doesn't, it's point, it feels pointless at this point. Yeah. Right. It's used I for agree. ridicule more than anything else. Um, so it's like, the thing is with, um, yeah, her being a completely new character, 
presumably not having as much of, you know, the name recognition as these peers that have had other things, then it's understandable why the numbers wouldn't work as well. However, <laughs> what I will also say is that um, in the run-up to the show coming out, I'm just going to say it, you had a lot of comic fans, Miss Marvel comic fans online who were honestly really upset about the changes they were making, you know, like to her power set, to what her potential story might be of not addressing the daily Islamophobia she faces as she does in her comics. They toned that down, unfortunately. And yeah, I think that if you had just like left more of that intact, you could have also like capitalized on that and had like more comic fans be excited and like hype the show up. And things like a lot, most still did. And most Kamala Khan fans still did, absolutely. But you could have even more of that if you just have a little bit more of the comic backstory that we all fell in love with her for. And the thing is, like, you still have it in spades here. I, it's Seth for me with this show. Like, I mean, I, I still, again, overall, no, very overall much like it. it. Overall, dug but it, but it, it wouldn't be the whole dug it. It's if just we that, didn't rip it to shreds. Yeah, <laughs> we absolutely recommend that you watch it if you haven't yet. It's just like I. I'm also like trying to be balanced with my critiques and it's like this is this goes back to the start of our conversation the rep sweats where you want something to do really well where you want to praise every aspect of it but we also have to be honest respectfully honest you know we're not here bashing the show in any sort of way we're just saying please do better on this next time in season two yep i totally i totally am with you um it's been a while since I have absolutely loved something that Marvel has done. It's getting to be a while. And I think, I think Hawkeye is the last thing that I absolutely loved. Um, I was looking over the comments for Thor love and thunder from the last week, last podcast we did. Um, What's your, what's your thought on Marvel is Marvel in a slump. Is that is is that a real thing? I and again, it's interesting for me. Ms. Marvel faith, is a solid. It, it's it's not a home run. It's a solid double or a triple, just like a lot yeah. of these things. Mm-hmm. I say that Phase Four of Marvel has had a lot of my simultaneous highs and lows. Um, Shang Chi was a high. I know you disagree, but Moon Knight was a high for me, especially the representation. Okay. Um, I will say, despite my critiques of it, Miss Marvel is a high, you know, like in terms of like the things they did really well in the show. I've also had, oh, again, disagree, but you know, you disagree, but Loki is a high for me. But no, I think some of my lows, um, each, oh my God. Yeah, <laughs> I loved it. I loved it. Um, Eternals was a low. I don't, not blame Chloe Zhao. I think she did the best with what she could, but that oh, script, what it is, right? I, that script, I I hate. I do not like that script. It was terrible, in my opinion. I'm sorry, Marvel. And was is listening from Marvel. I wish it was better. Um, I didn't enjoy. I was enjoying Falcon and Winter Soldier until the I finale. Love. I just Falcon and Winter Soldier. I really the finale. I gotta tell you, man, the finale kind of ruined it for me. Really? I just like I thought they were building up towards something great, but then it would dash my hopes. Huh. Um. I'm trying to think what else, um, you know, Thor, Love and Thunder. I thought it was good. 
or okay, but it wasn't my favorite. It wasn't Thor Ragnarok. I love Thor Ragnarok. Um, But yeah, like phase four has been a mixed bag for me, but I will say Spider-Man, the Spider-Man film. Oh, I love Spider-Man. It was wonderful, but in it, you know, the worst part about it was the main character in that, (laughs) that Peter Parker is the the high school, Peter Parker, uh, Tom Holland character is the dumbest son of a bitch. Uh, in every movie, but he, it, he's the but he oops. Beca- he's the oops guy. I remember you saying this on a previous podcast. I I hold this Spider Man so close to my heart, but I accept critiques of him. <laughs> but he, but at the end of this film, he became the Spider Man we all know and love. Which we'll is see. Like great. We'll see. He we'll got see. A, He we'll got the costume. Okay. Let's see. He's still the guy <laughs> who couldn't get the gauntlet to the van. He had to get help. He was the. He's the only guy of the. Half the population turned to feathers and he's the only guy that cried. He is just, he's not Spider-Man. Spider-Man is the best of them. And in, in the portrayals where he is slightly older, Mm -hmm. he is the ultimate hero. He is the, uh, he's, he's, he's the best there is in college or young adult. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. In the Spider-Man animated series and the Tobey Maguire movies, he was older and that's Mm -hmm. that's the missing thing and he's even even his decision with that got his aunt killed is so stupid it's just dumb uh anyway (laughs) i i i I digress here's some of the comments uh by the way this was on sorry sorry i want to say sorry just one more thing about phase four overall like i think we need i was watching a really good analysis earlier today we need to remember that at the same time we had just come off of there's something, again, referencing MCU University, Anthony Canton, he often says is that Marvel were right after Infinity War and Endgame, we're sort of like around the same time. I think it feels more like highs and lows or lows now because we're getting so many much more at once. That's Whereas fair. before That's with phase fair. one through three, it was like more spaced out. And it the thing is like, they're still doing setup for things to happen later on. I particularly mm-hmm. secret wars. So I think like, you know, once we're patient we see like how all of this comes together, then it'll be something better than like what we necessarily saw. But I will tell you, like, you know, I can't really call like the MCU, like my favorite thing anymore. Like I'm, I'm a DC fan at heart, except when it comes to like Spider-Man and Miss Marvel. And <laughs> I um like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be, but I'm still going to be patient to see how the MCU goes. So Look, we're, yeah. we're, we're, we're in the bag for this stuff. I saw all seven seasons of agents of shield. I'm not going anywhere. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll just see where this goes. And, and, you know, what we, what we criticize, I'm never criticizing the, the production value, the casting I thought was brilliant. It's always the story. It's always the story. And Thor love and thunder is the same thing. I mean, the story is takes the cake. Here were the, 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 the comments. Um, uh, my buddy Chad wrote, too much camp, not enough MCU magic. Uh, Jazz, who has been on this podcast, Jazz Belby, who's been on this podcast, she reviewed The Batman. Uh, Tessa Thompson and Christian Bale were the best parts of this film. You agree with that? Um, I, for one, loved it. This is Stuart. I, for one, loved it, and I thought the goofiness and heartfelt emotions balanced each other well. Like it, it, It's literally like all over the place people are. I've noticed that, thinking. too, yeah. It's all over the place. Like, my criticisms of it, I thought, 
were, were fair. It's just, it was all story. I mean, it, nothing was dire at any point. And so much story in it. Yeah. It was just, I think it was just all over the place. It was, and I thought Chris Hemsworth had too many. Yeah. Ones. <laughs> yeah like I, I just want to pl- go ahead and plug like a really great piece by my friend, James Whitbrook of IO9, who's a huge fan of the mighty Thor comic storyline where Jane Foster becomes Thor and just like reading about it. I want to read those comics. Uh, I haven't yet, but seeing it's comparison to like how, you know, her character was handled in this film where in the comics, it's so much more of a personal journey. Whereas here it's really tied up more with like Thor and his feelings and like them having a relationship when that was sort of done in the comics it's like, I don't know. I I wish like there was more for her. I don't, you know, spoilers for Thor Love and Thunder. I wish she didn't die at the end. I mean, I know like we see her in Valhalla, but and that she'll return somehow. But still, like, I wish we had more of Jane Foster as the mighty Thor. I think there's so much to untap material with that with that character. But then my other big main critique, you know, she was great. Tessa Thompson is always great but we need way more Valkyrie and what happened to her storyline about well, give her a queen? point. Yeah. Give her, give her something yeah. to really do. I mean, she was, give just her something to there. really do. Exactly. She was just a sidekick in this film. It, she, her character was so underserved and I'm just disappointed by that. And I just, I hope we get more with her, but also, man, this is the fourth film in a single character in the MCU. So that's kind of wild, I guess. I guess sure. really what happens. Well, I'll, I'll leave you with this. I, I thought, again, dialogue, more connecting of the dots. You know, there was the scene when, in the beginning where uh, uh, Natalie Portman is with Kat Dennings and they're talking about nonsense. And she had just come from Westview, New Jersey and dealt with Wanda. Like, talk about that for, for 30 seconds. And connect those dots. And the other one is when they do the little montage of Thor and Jane's relationship after the Dark World, or I guess after Age of Ultron, um, Thanos was there. Like, was Jane blipped? Like, answer those questions, and I'm not costing them a penny. No, You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not saying you need to have cameos or flashbacks. You don't need to get Josh Brolin back. You can just show what you already have and talk about them. And you'd be amazed by how many buttons that pushes. And then you can overlook a lot of the shortcomings. You know, again, we did that movie last week. Uh, Ms. Marvel is, is the thing, but it's the same criticism. In Ms. Marvel, reference her background. Like, reference what she knows as she's encountering all these things that she doesn't know make her the expert like the fan is the expert because the portrayal of her is she's the fan so make her the fan yeah incorporate more of that through this journey she goes on for sure how can people find you online sir well seth thank you so much for having me on and love discussing with miss marvel with you and again just want to we're gonna have to have you back we're gonna have to have you back after we're done recording we're gonna have to think of some things that you can do (laughs) I, I appreciate that. 
Um, you know, I just want to reiterate again, despite our criticisms, go watch Miss Marvel. It's a really heartfelt, wonderful show with a really amazing cast and great performances. And, you know, like, you know, just ignore some of the villain stuff. I will say, sorry, final note ignore on Miss Marvel. The stuff. <laughs> yeah. Put that on like, the you know, with the clandestine, with the clandestines, like, but no, I will say I love damage control and their Islamophobic leader in that in Jersey city, there being the main villain. Yes. Love that more of that. Give us that in season two. I, I love the addressing of Islamophobia from government surveillance. It's a very real thing. Muslims still deal with. So Bravo, Miss Marvel, for tackling that. That was great. Anyway, on myself, like I will say, um, you can, y'all can follow me on Twitter at Spider Spars. I have, as Seth mentioned, two podcasts. One is the Middle Geeks podcast, where my co-host May and I are two geeks of Middle Eastern slash Southwest Asian descent, discussing everything from in that have is happening in Swana and Swana related media, and we give our takes on it. We're on the Nerds of Color podcast network, and you can check out Into the Spider Cast, where my co CJ and I talk about anything and everything related to Spider Man, Spider Girl, yes. Spider Woman, and everything in the Spider Verse. We're on hiatus for the summer, but we'll be back in the fall, and you can hear us there. And I write for the Nerds of Color. I've been writing for IO9 for in Polygon on on Miss Marvel. So check out some of my pieces there. And yeah, I really just really appreciate being on with you, Seth. That's awesome. And uh, I will end this podcast the same way we always end it uh, and say, and I'm going to tiptoe around this because we talked about some pretty heady stuff. Uh, but if there's anything that you heard that you didn't like in this podcast, do me a favor, reach out to Suara directly and leave me the hell out of it. <laughs> my DMs are closed. No, do not reach out to me. <laughs> <laughs> That's Suara Sully. Uh, thanks so much for listening next week here on the podcast we're going to go back to DC <sighs> how about that uh, Peacemaker we're going to talk about Peacemaker with Steve Agee uh, he's one of the key roles in Peacemaker and he is uh, going to be joining us next week here on the podcast so we'll go from uh, Marvel and uh, Ms. Marvel to uh, talking about fucking fish and we'll do that uh, all here on uh, Peacemaker which is hysterical anybody peacemaker uh, is amazing oh, it's a one of the best shows great. in years absolutely oh, i can't wait it. to talk to you all right that'll do it for the hall of justice thanks for listening we will see you next week Believe it or not.